Stock Talking, an exploration of financial markets in the context of the post-corona world. COVID-19 has changed the way we value equity, debt, and business as a whole. My goal is to find great companies who can thrive in the new normal. I can't wait to get started. All right, first Stock Talking podcast, my guest is none other than my brother, a senior ServiceNow architect at GlidePass Consulting. This is a company that does ServiceNow integrations for a variety of big name clients, Fortune 500 clients. I've been impressed of, of what my brother has done and everything he's kind of taught me about ServiceNow and just the software as a service and enterprise software in general. So Josh, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you, Ben. It's great to be here. Uh, really happy to be on the show today and on the first episode as a special guest. Yeah, first guest, real honor. So I want to start off by asking you how you got started with ServiceNow. <clears throat> Yeah, absolutely. So a little bit of my background, how I, you know, got into ServiceNow, got into the industry. Um, you know, I was a year out of college in, in 2014. I was working at a company called Athena Health, an electronic medical record company out of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, and really what I was doing at that time is mainly production support. Um, I was also doing single sign-on administration and the Athena was a very early adopter of ServiceNow at the time, um, and they were rapidly growing out their platform. And they actually presented me with the opportunity to join the team full time as a ServiceNow administrator, and, and that's really how it all got started from that point. Um, you know, at that point, ServiceNow was kind of a clunky tool. Uh, you know, not a great user interface. It was kind of lacking some of the major features that that, that customers wanted. And to be honest, I was a little bit, you know, unsure around the path of what was going to happen with the platform. But in any case, you know, I saw a ton of potential with the platform and its ability to grow, and I, I stuck with it. Um, from that point, you know, I went on to to work for Tufts Health Plan, another uh, insurance provider in in the Boston area, and I was kind of helped to lead their implementation of ServiceNow. Acted as you know one of the main architects to help roll that out there. And from that point, you know, I really maxed out kind of my, my skill set working on the platform and, and was really looking to kind of edge out, learn more about the platform and, and help drive other implementations. Um, and that's when I actually got into the consulting space, working for a company called Glidefast Consulting in, in the Boston area. So that's kind of, you know, how I, I got into the space. Yeah, I remember kind of when you were working for Tufts and then there, you know, probably from the onset of when you were working with ServiceNow, you, you had looked at the stock a bit and recommended it to me. I, at the time, you know, as someone who basically has done kind of open source-based software engineering for a long time, was of the opinion, you know, this, this is fine, but I can build a lot of these tools myself. I'm comfortable building internal tools. Why do I need this? And of course, I ignored your advice and then missed out on the stock that, you know, I think at the time probably recommended in the $50, $60 range. You know, it's currently trading close to 300. So that's, you know, six bagger that's on me for missing. But I guess what, what kind of made you realize that this is a solution companies need and that they can't build in-house? Yeah, absolutely. And so I think what's unique about ServiceNow is really its ability to deliver rapid application development. Um, and, and not only that, really its ability to help, and I don't want to use a buzzword here, um, but again, it, it's enabling the digital transformation, right? We literally went from a time when all these organizations were running their ticketing systems, um, you know, all through paper, right? All of their workflows, that they were all these manual processes. 
ServiceNow literally hit the right place at the right time in the, you know, early, started in the early 2000s, um, actually enabling this digital transformation and this whole concept of ITIL. And basically, it's what ITIL is, it's a framework for how to run your uh, IT organization. And they really kind of took ITIL and said, and, and really made it popular um, in the space through, through ServiceNow. So there was this huge kind of not only right place at the right time, but also, you know, having this great platform to run it on. Um, and they started rapidly growing from kind of that, you know, 2010 onwards point. You were saying, you know, it was trading in, in 2015 around $74 a share. Um, there was really just, you know, absolute liftoff after that point. You know, they, they started making huge improvements and really starting edging out you know, into other other areas. So mainly when it started, it was around IT service management. And that's really around, um, you know, change management, incident management, you know, a company's essentially ticketing process and also helping support their IT organization. But what they've done is start to edge out into other areas. And that's where they've seen, you know, absolute explosive growth whether it be into IT operations management, HR, customer service management, they've just had, you know, their stock um, and also just, you know, their revenue subscription has grown exponentially since entering into these other spaces. Yeah, I think it's interesting you talk about the evolution of what product offerings ServiceNow has, has because you say like at, when you know, people got into it, it was all about ITIL and there, there was more of a focus on what was previously their core offering. Now they do a ton or other stuff. I, mean, I think it's it's interesting. You know, I looked at Bill McDermott's, uh, you know, CEO of the company, his comments on their fourth quarter earnings call and some of what they've been doing in, in recent investor decks. And it's all about some of these growth areas you mentioned. So I want to go in, into a bit of that, but I do want to ask, you know, I, I think it's been incredible looking at the kind of average term of the ServiceNow customer. So, you know, they had an investor deck where they talk about it. It's 30 plus months, you know, when you initially sign on. So almost somewhere around the area, three years. But you know, anywhere from ninety-seven to ninety-nine percent of customers, depending on the quarter, are renewing. It seems like that renewal is in part driven by all the stuff you can do with ServiceNow. So maybe they get in for one specific business application, but they're going to stay on for and renew for additional years for some other thing that ServiceNow can do. Yeah, and, and I really think, from an investor perspective, that is one of the the most enticing pieces about the stock, right? And and also about just the organization as a whole is ServiceNow has literally one of the best um, subscription renewal rates of any SaaS platform in the industry. Like you were saying, you know, 98%, 99% renewal. And, and part of that is because of the value one that it provides to the company, the cost savings associated with automating digital workflows in the cloud. And, you know, also the other thing too is I, I kind of say this to people, there is such service now is a huge investment, right? Um, you know, it's a three-year term. It's, it's definitely not a, a cheap piece of software to install, but it's one of those things that once you put it in and you, are, and you put in the implementation effort, um, you know, it's not easy to take that out of, take that out of the business. You know, it would be hugely costly. You would have to unwind tons and tons of development hours and processes that have been implemented as part of the platform. Um, but the other reason is customers don't really want to take it out. I mean, obviously, it would be you know, hugely expensive to remove it, but customers don't want to take it out. 
Um, they, you know, overall, they have great customer satisfaction ratings. Customers like the products. It's, it's saving their company money. Um, so part of the reason, you know, in my opinion is the value it provides the splinter effect that you were mentioning where you get it in for one use case and, you know, the customers start using it for other things, marketing, HR, customer service management, IT operations. There's that splinter effect where it just gets embedded deeper and deeper into your organization and it becomes such an integral part of running your company. That I think that you know that impact makes it near impossible almost to rip out of your organization, um, and I don't say that in a bad way. I really mean it in a, in a positive way. But you know that's one of the reasons I continue. You know I think we're going to continue to see the you know subscription renewals continue to to remain at that pace. You know ninety eight ninety nine percent, and also get customers net new contracts with over a million dollars in in value. Right. Um, when customers are now buying service now, they're not just buying uh, ITSM, they're buying HR, they're buying CSM, and just the actual licensing comes out to over a million on a lot of these contracts. Um, you know, I think there was a, what I had heard on a, on a recent earnings call, they had over 800 customers that had an annual renewal licensing of over a million dollars. Um, so again, close to a close to billion dollars there just on, on contracts that exceed a million dollars in licensing revenue per year. So again, it, you just you start to see that re- with a renewal rate like that and constantly adding new customers, you know, I don't think this thing is slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's the subscriptions and the renewals are insane, as you said, the numbers are kind of eye-popping, as well as just kind of the amount of new business the company does. And I think uh, Q4 t- uh, 2019, they did the most deals over a million dollars of any previous quarter they had done. Um, you know, I think the growth track is crazy, but I do want to revisit what you said about kind of the, the customer passion and the customer enthusiasm for service now. Because I mean, I think I've seen uh, on a more anecdotal basis, just watching you on LinkedIn and, and seeing the responses to some of the stuff you posted, some of the things that I've passed done internally, whether it's been, you know, custom applications you've offered, be it Fishbait, which I'll let you talk about, or kind of the most recent Zoom integration you've built. It just seems like there's a ton of things you can do in terms of integrating with third-party applications and building off the ecosystem, be it from like a Slack or a Zoom or a Microsoft, and then customers are really eager to integrate it. So, so talk a bit about that, just the, the variety of different use cases and how you as a consulting agency and someone who's consulted for a good amount of companies are able to offer these custom solutions people get excited about. Yeah. And, and, you know, like you were saying, I've definitely had experience, you know, building these new integrations, whether it be SendGrid, um, you know, Zoom, Slack, you know, I've built a ton of these different integrations, Jira. And I think one of the things that's unique about ServiceNow is just how, how robust their API is and how easy it is to integrate um, with other third-party applications. You know, they have several different means of doing it with, um, you know, what they call Integration Hub, which really, it provides a no-code, low-code way for developers to integrate with these third-party tools. Um, And even if you're just building an integration, you know, through a a basic REST API, not using Integration Hub, it's, it's very easy to learn how to do these new integrations ServiceNow offers a ton of them through their ServiceNow App Store and has plugins. And even you know, if you go out onto the ServiceNow community, you can find these, these pre-built integrations. You, know, you mentioned the Zoom one, which GladFast is offering for free right now. 
Um, again, it's just so easy to integrate with these third-party tools when you, you know, when one of these solution consultants goes into one of these meetings, you know, with a net new customer, it's so easy to say, yes, you know, we already integrate with all these other big tools, right? We already integrate with Salesforce, Jira, um, SCCM, you know, LDAP. It's really easy to, you know, put in the tool and just start getting data feeds from these other third-party tools. So I think from that perspective, you know, the interoperability of, of ServiceNow that it provides is kind of unmatched in that sense. Um, just making it really easy for customers to, to work with other enterprise SaaS tools that they have at the company. So, Absolutely. And like, I think what this is building is kind of the stickiness where once it's embedded deeply in your infrastructure, it just becomes a core part of how internally companies who have ServiceNow are, are working. Whether it's like, okay, we have Microsoft Teams or we have Zoom, like how do we build ServiceNow into this product? Um, I, I definitely heard an interesting thing said where it's like, okay, you have some platforms like Zendesk that can answer customer questions, but you don't necessarily have tools that can both answer the question and then be a platform where you build the solution to the, to the answer or essentially provide a kind of more direct support where it's more just a, than a text answer. So I thought that was super cool. Um, I was going to ask you kind of the million dollar question. We were never going to make it through this podcast without mentioning coronavirus um, and how COVID-19 is impacting business. So, you know, with all that said, you know, it's, it's a key part of the eco- ecosystem. It's once you get on it, most customers want to renew. Um, how do you think ServiceNow is going to be impacted by COVID-19, if at all? Yeah, and I think that's an interesting question. I, I think like I was saying, you know, I really don't see... Um, if anything, to be honest, I see a positive impact of COVID-19 in, in service now. You know, obviously, uh, it's an absolute devastating thing for this country, for small businesses, restaurants. Um, but for ServiceNow, a company driving digital transformation at a time when you have people working from home and also trying to service their customers virtually, um, I actually really see this as, as a positive thing for ServiceNow. You know, recently they put out four completely free apps to help support your organization's response to COVID-19. Those applications, I've been told, have received thousands of downloads from customers all over the world. Um, you know, whether it be hospitals, uh, retail, you know, all different types of verticals, these customers are using these applications to help support their customers and help, um, you know, support the response to coronavirus. So, I think from that, you know, one, you're not only making your existing customers happy by allowing them to, to use these to respond to it, but also you're getting tons of free marketing as well, right? You know, other customers are seeing or other organizations are seeing, you know, ServiceNow with this response enabling this, you know, being able to help support the COVID-19 response. Um, you know, it's going to help drive a lot of new growth, right? Um, and it just, again, is, is reinforcing the the value of the platform as a whole to show customers hey you know not only can we support internal you know IT infrastructure and and our CSM and our HR you know we can literally use this platform to build other new applications that are even outside of of those of those things right so it it really starts to show ServiceNow is a platform it's it's a platform to build applications this is not just meant for you know, very specific use cases. So if anything, you know, I really see ServiceNow growing as a part of companies needing to actually do more workflows virtually, 
um, you know, in the in the cloud, right, and starting to automate these processes. So I think this is actually, um, you know, help driving some of the growth. And you know, something funny I saw the other day is, you know, what drove it was it was a meme actually, and I'll bring it up. It said, "What what drove the digital transformation at your company?" And the answers were my CIO, my CTO, or COVID nineteen. Um, and again, I just found that funny because there, there's so much truth behind it is every single company in the world is, is being forced to, you know, really actually transition to this work from home, right? Um, it's a time when we've never, it's completely unprecedented and, you know, no one's ever seen anything like this before. And this is really forcing companies to, to change how they do business. So I think from that perspective, they're going to see tremendous growth. I think they're going to have monster earnings um, for this quarter and, and continue to grow throughout the course of this year. I think they're going to be you know, almost untouched by this and it's going to help them grow. So so I'm going to push back on that question just a bit or your answer to that question. So I, mean, I think when you hear about the COVID-19 response in terms of how companies are managing expenses, you're hearing all types of stuff about, well, we're going to cut the dividends, we're going to cut CapEx. We're no longer going to pay rents. Um, so I wonder why in these discussions we're not hearing more, I'm not going to pay our software vendors, right? Like, you know, you and I have both worked at software companies or consulted for them and seen companies paying like a Datadog subscription, a HubSpot subscription, Salesforce, ServiceNow, you know, any, any company at any given point in time is paying kind of these massive monthly fees or maybe they pay a year ahead of time, who knows? Uh, but these are, are kind of large subscription dollars and, and not paying definitely could be substantial relief for some of these companies. So what's to prevent, I mean, I don't know how ServiceNow contracts work, but what's to prevent some company from saying, hey, we're under pretty severe financial duress right now. We're just going to skip ServiceNow payments. Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, I think every single enterprise tool, you know, has that risk right now, right? I mean, there's no question that you know, we, we just heard about Cheesecake Factory saying, hey, you know, we can't pay rent. And I think there's no question, you know, there, there could be um, delayed payments for this. You know, this is, this is, again, like I was saying, unprecedented times. But again, ServiceNow is, is such, plays such an integral role in running an organization. Um, you know, it's so vital to making sure that your business operations are running smoothly. I think in terms of, you know, when the invoices come in and how you're prioritizing what's paid and what doesn't, you know, I think ServiceNow playing such an important role, it definitely remains at, at the top of the list. And again, you know, I think there could be impacts. There, there's no question whether it's, you know, delays in payment. But overall, I think the, the bigger picture is I don't think we're going to see customers start to churn as a result of this. Um, so again, you know, maybe invoices are, are, are late. You know, maybe customers aren't aren't paying necessarily on time, but I think overall they're not going to lose customers as a part of this, um, and and their revenue will eventually come in, um, whether it's a little bit delayed or not. So you know, I, I think you got to really look at the bigger picture, right? ServiceNow is not going to be something that gets removed. It it is a business critical application um, that is absolutely necessary to help run your business. Totally. Yeah, I, I kind of playing devil's advocate there because for me, I tend to agree with you, right? Like if you look over the you know three to five to 10 year trajectory, which I think is where investors who want to hold stocks should, should be looking. ServiceNow to me looks real good from that perspective. I mean, on these earnings calls, you know, McDermott is very kind of intent on this $10 billion revenue goal, which uh, ServiceNow has been big on the last couple of years. I think they're 
they're a third to halfway of the way there right now based on what 2020 revenue will come in at. Um, but we talked a little bit about some of the growth drivers. I did want to, to hone in on, on two, which seem to be a pretty big part of this call, which are uh, CSM and HR. So I don't know anything about either of those two, but talk a little bit about how ServiceNow is going to play a role in both of them. Yeah, so HR and uh, human resources and CSM, which stands for customer service management, have been two of ServiceNow's products that have seen absolute explosive growth over the past, you know, two to three years. Um, you know, again, like I was saying, it really started off as, as a mainly ITSM, IT service management platform for ticketing. Um, and they've really got into these other spaces. Um, HR was really a, a space particularly where there was a lot of manual processes going on. Um, and what we actually started to see is this huge digital transformation within human resources around employee onboarding, um, case management, lifecycle events. All these processes were being done through things like email, being tracked through spreadsheets. They had no automation around it. They had no workflow, digital workflows behind them. Um, and as a result of that, ServiceNow has built top, top-notch products put together by some of the, be- the best HR specialists in the world um, you know, to, to really help drive the, the value of running you know, a digital platform within your HR organization. Quick, quick follow-up um, so, on the HR one before you keep going here. So like when I think of HR, and I'm sure this is true for a lot of other people too, I think of like ADP or Workday or, or, the, or the thing I basically populate my like 401k information with or like uh, pay details or whatever. Is ServiceNow like trying to replace those tools or kind of work alongside them? Um, I think that's an interesting question. I've had this conversation with a lot of people. I think I think it, it originally started off as a complement to that. Um, you know, I think ServiceNow was really getting into case management with ServiceNow. So example, you know, uh, you need to talk about a, a leave policy you put in a case, right? That was really, uh, you know, ServiceNow's kind of bread and butter at the beginning. Now we're, we're starting to see ServiceNow really become more of a competitor with Workday. And one of the things that puts ServiceNow at a competitive advantage to companies like you know Workday, for example, is ServiceNow is already so embedded within your organization and has such a large footprint. What's the point of having two systems or two platforms when you could roll it all into one? So I think when you look at it from that perspective, ServiceNow is going to start taking some of Workday's business. Um, there's no question in my mind they've become you know, more of a competitor and uh, doing what they do, they actually, interestingly enough, they used to have a, a pre-built integration with Workday. Uh, this is about two or three years ago. And they just all of a sudden deprecated the integration, um, kind of out of nowhere, to be honest. And I, I think that was really the turning point when it, it went from being two systems that complemented each other to we are now direct competitors. Um, and I think ServiceNow is going to continue to, as it builds out new features and new offerings within HR, I think it's going to continue to, to kind of chip away at some of Workday's customer base. Um, so there's no question in my mind we're starting to see the, you know, that competition between ServiceNow and other HR platforms. Yeah, that's super interesting. I mean, having been in the startup space for a while, like I've seen my share of just terrible Workday and ADP integrations. So hearing how easy ServiceNow has been for customers 
it, it seems like that's definitely a good growth area. Um, let's talk about the next one too. So tell me a little bit about uh, CSM. Yeah, so CSM, again, I, I want you... So kind of what, what makes ServiceNow's customer service management offering so great is ServiceNow has so much so much experience in, in customer service as a whole. They, you have to remember, their ITSM product offering is the most popular. Um, you know, that's their most popular offering and what most customers are leveraging today. And, and that's really all based around service management, right? So you have an agent and you have uh, an end user. So when someone's computer is broken, it's about delivering the best quality that they can and getting customer issues resolved. So that's really what their their whole platform was built to do originally. So the transition into CSM and and you know biz in B2B um, and B2C was such a natural progression for them to get into. And they already had a lot of that underlying a lot of these features, they were already existing in the platform. Um, so they really did a great job, you know, building this CSM product offering. Uh, with all, already having all this experience and a few of the key features they rolled out are things like service portals. So they completely um, redid the, the front end of ServiceNow about four years ago or so, which has been, you know, helped drive explosive growth through the platform, uh, you know, helping customers get an easy way to do things like search knowledge base articles, submit new cases, submit requests, um, and also enabling agents to help those issues get resolved faster through things like agent workspace. Um, we're even starting to see things like uh, machine learning uh, to help get issues resolved faster. So when a customer submits a case, it's actually using machine learning algorithms to help route those cases to the right group to get them resolved. So you're seeing, you know, it's it's already, you know, using some of the existing features which they had, and they've been able to rapidly implement that to build this you know, customer service offering. And we're starting to see huge competition among other big players in the space like you know, Zendesk, for example. So I think you know, CSM, when you look at the overall uh, you know, market share and, and the addressable market, there is uh, you know, billions and billions of dollars to be had of, of this space. So I think in terms of growth, you know, out of anything, I think we're going to see customer service management um, be a massive dro- growth driver um, for the company and it's for the stock as a whole. Yeah, I think the performance definitely shows it. I mean, I'd be amiss if I didn't read off some of these names that in the fourth quarter uh, now picked up as customers. So U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs, the VA, Bristol-Myers-Squibb, Roche, who we've heard a ton about of kind of administering uh, coronavirus tests. And then it, it seems like there were several kind of banks and telco companies uh, in Latin America and some other regions as well. So they're, they're clearly winning a ton. Uh, and I think it's this incredible growth machine. So super nice to have you on the podcast and hear you talk about it. Yeah, absolutely, Ben. You know, really appreciate, um, you know, being here and, and, you know, looking forward to hopefully coming on in the future. Yeah, I'd love to have you on again. Thanks for the time. I'll talk to you later. All right. Thanks again. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to the Soft Talk newsletter at tinybetter.com slash Please also subscribe to this podcast and share if you liked it. That's all for now, folks.